our world today is desperately in need of hope. Many, many people are searching for it through the pain and wreckage of their lives. Whether that be the Ukrainians sheltering on the ground during a bombing raid, or the refugees fleeing from their homes, sailing in flimsy boats across the oceans and piling up in squalid camps. Or those struggling with the cost of living crisis, using food banks, looking for a second or third or fourth job to pay their wages. Or those facing illness and terminal prognoses in our hospitals and hospices. The world is desperate for hope. We are desperate for hope. And it has to be a hope that can stand in the toughest of life's situations. This morning we're going to remind ourselves that in Christ, that is exactly what we have. A hope strong enough to face even death. The hope that our world so badly needs. Nearly 2,000 years ago, there was another struggling community in need of hope. It was the young Christian church. Nero had become the emperor of Rome, and the early church knew about it. There was no tolerance whatsoever. Believers were verbally abused, slandered, and hauled up before the courts on trumped-up charges. Others were physically attacked, some were even burned, crucified, or thrown to the lions. As a result, the Christian church scattered throughout the land, huddling together in tiny communities in fear of being found. These were men, women, and children in desperate need of hope. A hope, again, that was strong enough to stand up to the most extreme of situations. So the Apostle Peter decided to write a letter to these beleaguered and desperate believers in order to remind them of the hope of their faith and to encourage them to stand firm within it. This letter then contains all the help we need to stand hopefully in our troubled world today. And in these inspiring opening verses that we read together, we learn three very important reasons as to why we can be hopeful in Jesus. The very first thing that we see is that Christian hope is totally undeserved. Peter begins like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. In his great mercy. Christian hope is rooted solely in the mercy of God, not in our own performance. Often you'll hear people say today, if I work hard enough, I hope I'll do well in my exams. If I do enough hours, I hope I will get a promotion. But that is not hope at all. That is trying to earn something you think 
you deserve. And actually that type of hoping very quickly results in fear. Just look at how scared teenagers are going into their Nat 5s and higher exams. The fear that you've not quite done enough. The fear that you've not revised the right thing or know enough material. This type of hope is also useless for people who find themselves in immediate danger for their lives. Whether they're in Mississippi, staring down a tornado, or in a hospital, being told that there's nothing more that the medics can do. These people do not have enough time to do enough work to merit the outcome that they desire. This type of hope is no hope at all. So the first thing that we learn about the Christian hope is that it is completely undeserved. It is based on the mercy of God. It is based on the fact that he decided to send Jesus into this world to die and take away our sin. It is based on his love for us. A love that existed before we'd done anything to deserve it. A love that the Bible says existed before he'd even created a single one of us. This is hope rooted in mercy. And faith is the anchor that secures us in it. Not lists of good deeds, not long hours put in, not knowing all the facts of the Bible. We have hope today if we put our faith in the cross of Jesus. That is it. Christian hope is totally undeserved. The second thing that Peter really thinks his needers needs to hear is that Christian hope is death defeating. Listen again, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The greatest enemy that all humanity faces is death. Death hurts us all. Whether it's the pain that we feel as we watch Ukraine on the news, or as we stand at the graveside during a loved one's funeral, death is where we're all headed, and there is nothing we can do to avoid it. Therefore, if your hope cannot stand in the face of death, it is no hope at all. People today place hope in all sorts of different places. Pension funds, saving accounts, medical advancements, politics, family. But none of these can stand in the face of death. And for this reason, Peter immediately grounds all that the hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus. I will say again, as we did a few weeks ago, the resurrection of Jesus was a real, physical, historical event. A fact. And believers must never forget it. It is only because Jesus literally rose again in the power of the Holy Spirit after three days lying dead that our hope is not just wishful thinking, but based on a promise. 
Because Jesus rose again, we will rise again. Because Jesus defeated death, we will defeat death. Because Jesus has blazed the trail to life, we can walk in it. The hope that we have is so strong that death has lost its sting and we can stand in the face of it. In fact, now that death has been defeated, it's no longer the end, but a whole new beginning. The Christian hope is for resurrection. As Tom Wright wrote, death is the unmaking of God's creation. Resurrection will be its remaking. That and nothing less is the Christian hope. And it's to that wider aspect of hope for creation that we now turn. The third reason that Peter gives for hope is that Christian hope is for a new world. Peter continues his opening like this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. If the extent of our hope is that as Christians we die and disappear off to heaven, leaving the world behind to go on in its cycles of violence and disaster, then actually our hope is really quite small. In fact, it becomes quite selfish. Suddenly hope becomes all about me. My hope for life after death. Stuff everybody else. Stuff the world, the wonderful creation that God made and took great delight in. But Peter insists that the Christian hope is far bigger than that. And that's why he continues after resurrection to talk about inheritance. The Christian hope is that one day Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth. And when he does, in the twinkling of an eye, everything will be changed. This is what Peter means when he talks of the coming of the salvation to be revealed in the last time. Ever since the days of Isaiah, we have had the hope of a new world. A day when heaven and earth will join together, all will be restored and all will live in the presence of God. There will be no more weeping or crying, no more climate change or natural disaster, no more homelessness, no more poverty, no more child exploitation. There will be no more war, no more terrorism, no more fear. When Jesus returns to earth, He is bringing heaven with him. And the two will fuse together. And we, the renewed, restored humanity, will steward the new creation as Christ always intended us to do. It is a breathtaking hope. A hope not just for me when I die, but a hope for every person, every animal, every mountain, every sea, everything in creation that God has made. All of creation will be remade 
and will last in peace for eternity. Yet to live in this eternal peace, we shall need new bodies, resurrection bodies, pulsating with life, creativity and the beauty of the Holy Spirit. The exact same type of body that Jesus rose with on that first Easter Sunday. And this is what Peter is referring to as he speaks about our inheritance that is stored in heaven (coughs) so that it can never perish or spoil or fade. You see, from the moment we believe in Jesus, our new bodies are there ready, waiting for us. It may be that we're still alive when Jesus returns. It could be tomorrow. When he comes, he will bring our new bodies and give them to us. It may be that we die before that day and we rest with him in paradise. But when Jesus comes and we come with him, we'll be clothed in our new bodies. Whichever is the case, and nobody knows, our inheritance is safe. Our future is secure and so we have hope. This is the only place that the world can end up by being renewed. Heaven and earth joining together. And there is nothing that Putin or coronavirus or nuclear weapons or any other type of evil can do about it. It is guaranteed by the resurrection. Jesus has received his new body and so will we. And as Peter writes about this creation-changing, cosmic-scale hope, he is overjoyed and he sings out in praise to God. He delights in God's good plan put to effect and he declares, even the angels long to look into these things. So our hope is not just for life after death, but a whole new world where we will dwell in the peace of God. And it's completely undeserved, completely a gift of God's mercy. But here is the thing. This hope is not just to be reserved at the back of our minds and called upon on the day that we die. This hope is so good, it is to be lived out every single day. It is to be lived out in the world where we will still suffer pain at times. It is to be lived out in such a way that other people around us see it and come to know it for themselves. On receiving this great hope through Christ, we are now to live hopefully in the world with the help of the Holy Spirit. You see, Peter's not naive. He doesn't expect his readers to live in some dreamlike bliss until all these hopes are fulfilled. He writes about hopeful living in our world as it is now. Listen again. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. In other words, yes, all of this hope promises us what is to come, but until it does, 
We are to live in the strength of the Holy Spirit in such a way that brings hope to the communities in which we live. As people see how our faith stands in the furnace of life, they too come to see something of Jesus and may begin to give praise and honour to him themselves. Like a lighthouse in the darkness of a storm, our light is to shine. And people who have no hope will notice it. So from this point on in the letter, Peter turns to how God's people can live out this hope in such a way that it impacts the needy world around them. And he gives four directions. First of all, the people of God are to be a praising community. In the face of persecution, in the face of tragedy, in the face of suffering, we are to go on praising God because we still have hope. We still have an inheritance that is safe. And verse 6 and verse 8 make this really clear. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now let's be honest, at times this is hard. It can be hard to praise when we are hurting. But that's why we need each other. That's why we need the community of God's people. I've told you many times, you're probably getting bored of this now, but I've struggled with depression in my life. And at times it's been really hard to pray, really hard to sing, really hard to feel any joy at all. Yet on coming to church, listening to believers pray, listening to them sing, hearing them tell their testimonies, even though I've struggled to join in myself, I've been lifted up. I've encountered God's presence through the praise of his people. I've been buoyed by the Spirit when I needed to be. This is the power of praise. Our hope must lead us to praise God even in tough times because people who are struggling need to hear it. Secondly, God's people are to live in such a way that their actions and their lifestyles portray the hope that they have. Peter writes this in verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. What that means is that we are to live our lives with our minds focused on what we hope for. We look forward to a new heavens and a new earth. So we have to start living like we will there, here, today. And this is what the Lord's Prayer calls for. We say this every week. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I look forward to a place of peace, so I will live peacefully now. I look forward to a place where everybody has a home, so I will help the homeless now. I look forward to a place where everybody has enough, 
So I will help the hungry now. I look forward to a place where all of creation thrives again. So I will look after the environment now. I look forward to dwelling intimately with a holy God. So I will live a holy life now. All of these actions portray to the world around us the hope that we have. And they take notice. And I don't want to embarrass anybody who's here this morning, but I saw this in Jim McNulty. Jim knew he wasn't going to recover from his cancer, yet he continued to make time for others. He continued to call me and ask me how I was. He demonstrated such resilience. Jim knew that for him something far better was coming. So in faith, he was able to live his last months still thinking of other people. We need to portray our hope in the way that we act. Thirdly, a little bit later in the letter, Peter calls for his readers to proclaim the hope that they have. This is chapter 3, verse 14. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Jesus as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. You see, when people have heard us praising God, when they've seen what we are portraying in our actions, they want to know where our hope comes from. Remember, our world are desperately looking for this. And so we need to be ready to tell them, to proclaim the gospel. That may be telling our testimony, it may be speaking about answered prayers, it may be giving them a Bible, it may be inviting them to church on Easter Sunday to see the baptisms. Whatever we're comfortable with, we need to be gentle and respectful, but we need to proclaim the hope that we have because this island needs to hear it. And finally, Peter says, living hopefully means living a life of prayer. In chapter 4, verse 7, he writes these words. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Have you, have you noticed in recent years that whenever something terrible has happened, there's been a very public call to prayer? Have you noticed this? After the terrorist attacks, pray for Paris. After the fire, pray for Grenfell. Pray for Ukraine. We've seen it on t-shirts. We've seen it on social media. Celebrities have said that they're praying. Politicians have declared that their prayers are with some given situation. People who never usually pray will do so in a time of suffering. As Christians, we have to live a life of prayer. Allowing our hope for the future to influence our prayers and encourage us to keep going, praying for others, even when some of those prayers seem to be unanswered. Being faithful in prayer is a powerful way of sharing the hope that we have with those that need it. So here we finish, and here we finish the whole series. In our fearful world, we have remembered the hope that stands all trials. A hope that is undeserved. A hope that defeats death. 
A hope for a whole new world. And if you're here today looking for hope, you now know where to find it. But for those of us who've been Christians for a long time, we're now to live out this hope on Isla so that others can receive it and come to know Jesus for themselves. We are to praise, to portray the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, and we are to pray. This is the role of the church today.